0: Hey Faith family, thanks for tuning in again today online and we are going to jump right into it today. We're in this series called The New Normal and we're walking through this passage in Colossians chapter 3 where the Apostle Paul gives us some great character traits to incorporate into our lives so that we can live with consistency no matter what challenges come our way. And you've been each individually in many different ways dealing with different challenges in your own life. Uh, whether it's been a complete change of how life just operates to maybe some challenges in relationships as you're trying to live in close, confined quarters or dealing with decisions that have to be made that you might have some differences of opinion on. And so there's a lot of new that's going on in our life, new challenges, uh, the new normal, right? Whatever that is for you. But Paul gives us a great outline of key characteristics to incorporate into our life, so that no matter what challenges come your way, you can walk with consistency and live out the godly uh, characteristics, the, the righteousness of God that we're called to do. And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna jump into Colossians uh, chapter three right now and walk through this uh, next key idea. And so join me as we read Colossians three twelve through 14. And it says this, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And so we've been going through this list, right? It starts with compassionate, hearts, kind of wearing our heart on our sleeve, being ready and willing to respond when we see needs. And then we talked about kindness, not just being a kind person, but allowing kindness to to flow through you, be a part of who you are and the way you live your life. Bring calmness into a situation, you know, walk softly and carry a big stick of kindness ready to help out. And then last week we talked about humility, uh, this idea of, of not just trying to say I'm a humble person don't give me any praise but living not with my eyes on myself but my eyes on God and it was a real challenging uh teaching last week and so I encourage you if you haven't been able to be a part of any of this series uh all of these are online you can uh, go back to our uh, library of online experiences and watch those or listen online to the podcast uh, any way that you can do that but today we're going to talk about this next one which is meekness and I believe meekness is one of the most misunderstood concepts and words in our english language i mean you just hear the word and it does not sound like something you want to be you know labeled as meek I th- maybe it's just the fact that it rhymes with the weak, you know and we're like i don't want to be that nobody wants to be weak or meek and when i think about meekness just that idea or terminology or how our culture describes it, i think about That guy or girl at the party who just kind of sits in the corner of the room, fearful of everything, fearful that somebody's going to come talk to them or they would have to carry on a conversation or, or, you know, please no spotlight on that person. And it would just be, you know, terrifying for them to have to speak or interact or react in any way. They're timid and hidden and they'd be happy if nobody ever called their name or came close to them. That is not at all what meekness means. Maybe that's shy and timid or reserved, but that is not meekness. And so today we're going to look at this concept the way we've looked at every other one of these. We're going to walk a journey of setting a definition for this word. And then we're going to look at Jesus and how Jesus displayed this characteristic today of meekness. And then we're going to look how to internalize it, how to apply it internally in our lives. And then how do we live it out? How How do we implement it? into our lives, and so let's jump in into defining meekness. We just kind of talked about what it's not, right? It's not this timid, shy, scared mentality. It's also not weakness. It's not the, the inability to, to do something or to carry something out, and so what is it? I want, I want to challenge you before we dig deeper to, if you can, detach your mind right now from previous understandings of what meekness is, what our culture, defines it. All that idea that that comes into your mind. I mean, you know, for me, it's like the cowardly lion, right? In the the Wizard of Oz. It's just, you know, always scared and something pops in and you're going to, let's detach from that for a minute and act like maybe this is the first time you've heard this word and how we're going to deal with it. So the word meekness, when we look at the original context, the original Greek word here, it's it, the best way to describe it is a gentle response. Gentleness in response. Which I love this combination because it's not just gentleness, right? It's not just like you, could, you can take that and be like, oh, hi, don't say anything, do anything. It's like, how do you gently respond to something? Putting a gentle touch maybe is a great way to say that, to, to start to move something in the right direction. If you've parented children or you know, you've worked with like young kids in different ways. You know what this means. Like this is it's not jumping in and doing their project for them. It's not also just leaving them to themselves. It's kind of giving them that gentle nudge. Like, how often do we do that as a parent? We we could solve every problem for them, but instead we just kind of give them a gentle nudge. Move them in a, a gentle response that gives them moving in the right direction. I mean, I, I remember the first time driving a car. Right, I was scared to death. And I was driving with my dad and I, 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 understood I'd watched him drive, but like, this is the first time I'm out on a real road with the hand, my hands on the steering wheel. And not only was I learning to drive, but I was learning to drive a stick shift, a manual, uh, you know, drive. And so we're on this road and, uh, as we're driving, I think I'm doing good. And all of a sudden my dad screams, watch out, watch out. And so I'm in. Mean, slammed on the brakes, I hit the clutch, I stopped. And he was like, all right, good. I just wanted to make sure what you were gonna do. And I was like, you gave me a heart attack. <laughs> I'm not sure that's meekness. But in that moment, what he was trying to do is to give me a gentle nudge, give me put me in a situation where I had to respond and see if I was had been paying attention and learning and moving in the right direction. And that's kind of what meekness is. It's easing somebody into the right place, the right position to win. To clear out distractions, to to clear out other things and this, and uh, obstacles and to start moving people and ourselves in the right direction. This is what meekness does. It, it doesn't come in and destroy everything, knock everything down and then try to rebuild it. Like, you know, you've seen that with your kids before that they're building blocks and this one kid, you know, maybe you got their older kid who's working, building all these blocks, putting them up, building a beautiful castle and then you're Younger kid comes running in and all just sees a pile of stuff and he just comes in and knocks it down and you have to start over. That's, that's not a gentleness of response, right? That's, that's not the way we should do it. We, don't, we see something wrong in somebody's life and we're like, oh, that's bad. Just knock it down. Instead, what it does is it sees change that needs to happen. This is what meekness does. Gentleness of response. It sees change that needs to happen and it starts the process of moving things into that right direction. Easy way to say it, it's a response that creates an appropriate reaction. So how often do we actually do that, right? I mean, I see something in Katie as we're having an, you know, discussion about something and I see a growth area in her life or she sees a growth area in my life. And usually instead of responding in a way that creates an appropriate reaction, many times in relationships like that, we just point it out, we kind of knock it down and say, That's horrible. How dare you say that to me? How dare you respond that way? And we come in and knock the blocks down instead of responding in meekness, which is a response that then creates an appropriate reaction. Like, okay, maybe I can take that in and receive it. It's having that gentle hand. Doesn't mean that you don't act. It also doesn't mean that you react in an inappropriate way. It just means that you react in an appropriate way that creates an appropriate response. And I think there's two words, two concepts that help us do that and even define meekness even more as we get to our, our key definition here in a minute. And so we've got to learn to act with discernment and decisiveness. Discernment and decisiveness. And too many times we act with decisiveness without first having discernment. We're like, I know what to do here. I'm going to just tell them what I feel. Boom. Bah. You know, it's not meekness. It's coming in with a heavy hand instead of a gentle hand. And so what is discernment discernment comes from submission to a greater authority and knowing that the one with greater authority has greater understanding and greater wisdom than i do i get discernment when i submit myself to a greater authority and from a biblical perspective of course we're talking about god our creator the creator Of the universe that he has ultimate wisdom ultimate understanding and so we're going to discern the appropriate response from him and then respond that way and so my first thing is i need to have discernment and so if i'm going to act with meekness i need to have discernment submit myself to a greater authority and then act with decisiveness and decisiveness then comes from confidence and whatever I'm about to respond to, the expression of my response is determined by the wisdom and understanding I received from this greater authority. So that's discernment and decisiveness. It's it's believing I don't have ultimate wisdom and ultimate uh, understanding, but I can get that from God. So that's where discernment come from. But then it's also believing that I can act with confidence on that truth, that I can respond in an appropriate way. Discernment. And device, not divisiveness, decisiveness, which I think brings us to this key idea, this key definition that we're going to work with today on what meekness is. Meekness is simply this. Meekness is placing yourself in a posture of submission in order to position yourself to discern the appropriate response. And hear it again. Meekness is placing yourself in a posture of submission in order to position yourself to discern the appropriate response, that is nothing like all the definitions we detached ourselves from that we asked ourselves to do a minute ago, right? Weakness, timid, shy, doesn't know what to do. It's a completely different concept of meekness. Meekness is, yes, willing to submit myself to the right authority. So then I position myself to determine the appropriate response. It's not lack of response. It's not over responding. It is learning to respond in the appropriate manner. Man, I wish I live like this all the time. I wish I always responded in the appropriate manner. How many times have I said something, done something, responded in a certain way that t- two seconds after I do it, two minutes or two days after I do it, I'm kicking myself for going, why did I say that? Why did I? treat my kids like that? Why did I overreact like that? Or why didn't I say this? It was a great teaching moment and I missed it. And it's because I'm not operating in meekness, that discernment and decisiveness. Think, oh, I don't wanna say this, or I don't know what to say because I haven't discerned. I'm not submitting myself to that authority. Man, hearing this definition of placing myself in a posture of submission in order to position myself to discern the appropriate response, I want meekness. In my life i want it more than i can ever get i pour it in god give it to me so that's the definition and again paul's not just throwing these terms out there he's looking back at the life of jesus the incarnate god made man who dwelled on this earth who lived an amazing life and demonstrated each of these qualities in amazing way and so we're going to look at a passage of scripture today out of the gospel of matthew that I think shows a beautiful model of Jesus's meekness, his appropriate response, that he had the ultimate wisdom from God, and he's responding in the appropriate way. And we're going to learn some great things as we do this. And I'm going to tell you, the first example we're going to look at, you probably would have never thought that this was maybe a meek response. But I believe with our new definition, new understanding of what meekness is, we're going to see this was a very meek response it was appropriate response and so we're going to be in Matthew 21 verses 12 through 16 give you a little context here so toward the end of Jesus's time on this earth he's coming into Jerusalem as uh, the week he's going to be crucified we've spent a lot of time in these stories the last few weeks but this is a pretty cool day he is coming in kind of over the Mount of Olives and as he is the, the right before this he's had what's known as the triumphant entry Palm Sunday Hosanna. Everybody's like, Jesus, 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 the Messiah's coming. He's riding in on a donkey. They're throwing branches out in front of him. It's a pretty cool moment. Like it's a he's heading the parade down over the mountain, down to the temple. Well, as he enters the temple, he does some things like boom, 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 that he's basically doling out appropriate responses. He is operating a meekness as he is trying to to make sure certain things about God, certain wisdom and understanding about God are taken care of. And so let's look at verse 12 and 13 and see his first response of meekness. And it says this, and Jesus entered the temple and he drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he said to them, My It is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, and you have made it a den of robbers. So the first thing we see that Jesus does here to these robbers, and we're going to talk about how they were actually robbing people in a moment, but these were robbers, he responded with a righteous opposition. He saw them doing something that were opposing the nature of God, opposing the ways of God, and he responded in appropriate righteous opposition. How are these people robbing people? Well, people had to come to the temple during Passover to make uh, offerings for sin, for uh, all kinds of different things, and you know, different kind of offerings. They had to have certain kinds of birds or animals uh, to make these sacrifices. And a lot of people traveled a long way. And so instead of uh, them bringing all these animals with them, they would show up to the temple and basically buy um, the pigeons or the cows or the goats that they needed to sacrifice. Well, you can imagine maybe what happened these people it's not like they were on the outskirts of the city these guys go and like you know if you go to the mets game right there's the there's the merchandise inside and then there's like the fake merchandise outside that you can buy like cheaper these guys weren't on the outskirts they were inside the temple court selling like bad pigeons bad sacrifices for exorbitant prices so they were cheating these people they were taking advantage of a situation, kind of had a monopoly. But the second thing they were doing is they could only, you could only bring Jewish money into the temple to pay your temple tax. And of course it was under Roman control at the time. So these people had Roman money. And so they're having to bring it and pay an exorbitant exchange rate. And so this place, this temple, that was supposed to be a place of prayer, of worship, of healing, of a full expression of God's grace, had been turned into a den of robbers, a den of thieves, people cheating, people that were there to worship. And Jesus was not about this. And here's what I want you to see about Jesus' response here, what makes a righteous opposition. One, this wasn't a rebellion. This was a restoration of what God initially designed the temple to be. They had turned it into something it wasn't. There were a lot of people, when Jesus started doing this, they're like, oh no, it's about to go. Like, this is the rebellion that they've been talking about. Jesus is gonna overthrow everything, and that's not what it was. It wasn't a tearing down. It was an appropriate response. He was restoring. He's like, get this stuff out of here. This was never intended to be here, and it was. he was restoring the pathway to God's grace in that temple. That's what the sacrificial system was about. It was them understanding God's grace. God's forgiveness is available to them. And he was restoring that pathway. He was clearing things out. And he was about to do this even on a grander scale on the cross in just a few days, clearing out the pathway to God's grace. So an appropriate response to this for Jesus to opposition or to their a righteous opposition was not a rebellion but a restoration to what god originally designed god was jesus got things moving back toward experiencing god's grace that's what he did here that's a meekness it was an appropriate response it wasn't just like oh i wish these guys weren't here i wish this wasn't happening he did something about it didn't overreact he didn't come in and start you know knocking people out and he was he's getting the thing the tools of the opposition the tools out and clearing the pathway for God's grace very meek thing to do according to our new definition so with those robbers he responded with righteous opposition but I want you to see in the next verse very next verse it's crazy He's throwing these tables over and he says, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you made it a den of robbers. And then verse 14 says this, and the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. Is this not a like, you know, just change of pace? All of a sudden a turn of the head, like throwing the tables over, clearing them out. And then he turns this way and the blind and the lame are right there and he stops what he's doing and he heals them. He deals With them. And for these beggars, he responded with righteous attention. And this is why not Jesus, here's Jesus wasn't doing this. He wasn't like, I'm gonna throw these tables off and and then I'm gonna show off. I'm gonna show you what I can do. No, this was not a demonstration, it was a display. And he was displaying the presence of God's love in that temple. So he was clearing out the way for God's grace to be shown. And he was like, you know what? If you're gonna be doing anything else in this temple, besides just worshiping, you should be helping these people. The blame, the blind, those that are begging, those that are hurting, show them love. Jesus got things moving again towards God's love. And you know what? He was about to do this on an even grander scale In just a few days on the cross he was laying the groundwork a a display for what he was about to do so he gave them righteous attention he didn't say i don't have time for that right now i've got to finish clearing these guys out he's like nope you need help i'm here so immediately immediately he does that and then the third way that he shows meekness here so he dealt with the robbers to clear out the way for god's grace he He responded with meekness to the the beggars by showing them righteous attention and clearing out the pathway for God's love to be shown again. And then what I call, not not the robbers or the beggars, but then the Pharisees show up, which I'm gonna call the whiners in this scenario. And how did Jesus deal with them? He dealt with them with righteous correction. Listen to verse 15 and 16. It says, but when the chief priest and the scribes saw The wonderful things that he did. So what are wonderful things? He healed the people and he like cleared out. Like people are like, that should have been a long time ago. These guys should have been driven out. So they saw the wonderful things that he did. And the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David. And they, the Pharisees, were indignant. And they said to him, do you hear what these are saying? They're whining. They're calling you the son of David. Then, 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 then they're whining. And here's what Jesus said back to them. Yes. Have you heard it? Have you never read? It's have you never read the old Testament, the the scriptures. So he's kind of jabbing them a little bit. Have you never read out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies? You have prepared praise. He's quoting a scripture verse that they all would have known. And basically he's claiming to be the Messiah. He's like, I am the They are what they're calling me. I am. And this is not Jesus getting into an argument. That's not meekness getting into arguments, right? Here's what he was doing he was announcing things. He was making an announcement about truth. What they say is true. He was announcing the greatness of God's power in that temple. You have been for ages, asking God to send the Messiah, to send his salvation, to demonstrate his power. And I am here in your midst right now, and you don't even see it. You've choked, you've tried to choke off God's grace by allowing these robbers to be in here. You're ignoring these people that are in desperate need, and you've choked off expressions of God's love. And now the ultimate power of God It's standing in your midst, and you're whining about it. You're trying to choke off God's power as well. So he was announcing the power of God, and guess what he was about to do in a few days? He was going to display this in an even grander way. Jesus was moving toward God's power, even as he was moving toward the cross. That's meekness. He was restoring God's grace. Appropriate response, right? Appropriate way to... to respond, to open up the pathways of God's grace, of God's love, and God's power. Sometimes it's a one sentence that you say back to the whiners. Sometimes it's a quick display of love to people in desperate need that are begging for help, or maybe it's a stern response to those that are robbing and choking and, and being in opposition to God's grace. The response itself is not the meek part. The appropriate part of the response is the meek part, that we are responding appropriately. But our challenge is that we often fall not into the appropriate category, right? We fall into one of two other categories. We either overreact or we underreact. We always always like to turn the tables over. We like to be the aggressive ones. We like to shout out and create arguments and dissension and divisiveness and we respond that way. Or maybe we just kind of say something under our breath and hope nobody hears. Or, or we be a little passive-aggressive or just turn our heads and act like we didn't see anything. Both of these are the opposite of meekness because they're not appropriate. Maybe they're appropriate here and there, but the idea is one response is not the always the way of response. Instead, I think there are two key words and concepts that we're going to have to commit to if we're going to have an appropriate response, a meek response. Response, and we're going to see these in the application and the implementation. So let's talk about how to uh, apply this in our life. And the, the first key word is, is to submit, which is an active choice. To submit to something is an act of choice. Remember our definition said that it, we had to take on a posture of submission. Posture is something you put yourself into. It's a position you put yourself into. An intentional placing of yourself into a position under the authority of somebody else. Like if you do yoga or certain exercises, you can't just like throw the weights willy nilly or just, you know, get in any position and call it yoga. There are certain positions and certain exercises that bring about the right impact postures that you take. And the first idea of submitting is, is posturing yourself. And so the applications that you have to commit to submit, have to, it's a commitment you have to make. It's not something that just happens, it's a commitment, it's a posture that you take. And here are some ways that I've learned this in my life, learning it in my life, and the scripture shows us how to do it. And the first thing is this, you have to submit to the concept of trusting God more than trusting yourself. This is base level. You're not going to get into meekness and appropriate response. You're not going to have discernment and act with... Uh, decisiveness if you don't submit to the concept of trusting God more than trusting yourself guess what something happens in your life you walk in you get angry righteous anger whatever you got to respond to your kids your spouse your friends whatever it is just because you have an emotion doesn't mean it's the right emotion just because you want to react this way doesn't mean it's the right reaction just because you feel a certain way doesn't make it right just because it's say what's well, how I am does not make it right. We have to submit. We have to start to trust God more than ourselves. That's how we commit to submit. But second is this. You have to submit to the idea that God is working in you instead of thinking you are working for God. And this is a little trick that I think sometimes we get caught up in is thinking, you know, I, I, I got to do some work for God. I You know. God doesn't put us in these moments or challenges because things have gotten so out of control and he needs our help to right the ship. He isn't calling in reinforcements. Instead, these are moments that God is growing us, moving us toward grace and love and power. He's opening those channels in our lives. He's working in us. He doesn't need us to work for him. God isn't up in heaven wringing his hands going, oh, if I just got some more people really serious about it. Then maybe we could get something accomplished in this world. He's already accomplished it. He's the creator of the universe. He has, he's, he's restored man and God together. He's done the complete work. We talked about that last week, the sovereignty, the completeness. So you have to submit yourself to this idea that God is working in you instead of you working for God. But there's a third thing you have to commit to submit to, and it's submit to the belief that God's purpose for us is more fulfilling than simply trying to fulfill our own passions. God's purpose for us is more fulfilling than just trying to fulfill our own passions. Passions without purpose can lead to destructive and dangerous places. They can go unchecked, lead to addictions, abuse, lead us down paths we never thought we would go. But if our passions are guided by God's purpose, so listen to this, it's not having passions are bad. You'll be like, oh, you know, so I just need to stop caring about the things I seem to naturally care about, that's not it. But if they go unchecked, if they're not on a purpose, if they're not submitted to the purpose of God, they can lead to destruction. But our passions, guided by God's purpose, leads us to a place of achievement, Places of pleasure, peace, meaning, and hope in our life. So commit to submit. Trust God more than trusting yourself. Realize that He's working in you. He's not asking you to work for Him. And don't let our our own passions become more important than God's purposes. That's how we apply it. That's how we begin to internalize this commit to submit. But the second keyword leads us to the implementation part of this, which is the word righteousness, right? So idea number one was submission. And idea number two that we have to have to allow meekness to flow in our life is is embracing righteousness. Because righteousness is how we respond. It's the desired outcomes that we talked about as the definition of meekness. You know, we discern the appropriate response. You start to see change happen when we do the right things. We start moving in the right direction, right? If you wanna lose weight, stop eating junk food start doing some exercise and you'll see change maybe slowly start to happen. You know, you come home from work, you know, and you're like, oh my gosh, I smell horrible. What do you do? You take a shower and you start moving back into a more pleasant aroma. Like there's a, you do this and you know what's going to happen. This is what righteousness is. As we, we begin to understand this appropriate response is going to then bring about appropriate change. Why are, Some parents better than other parents, it seems like, because I think they've learned this step that if I make an appropriate response, appropriate change will happen in my child's life. Whereas some marriages seem to work better than others because I think they've learned this. If I respond appropriately in a righteous way, then appropriate change is going to happen. Same thing with friendships. Same thing with work relationships. If you'll respond in a righteous way, appropriate change start to operate in your life and in the relationships and so how do we implement this we've talked about wearing your heart on your sleeve walking softly carrying a big stick of kindness we talked about all these little sayings uh that that we've grabbed onto and this week is just simply this it's an old 70s saying i think it came from the 70s just be a righteous dude be a righteous dude Dude, whatever we call it I, I think dude is now appropriately uh, non-gender word, but how do we do that? Just be a righteous dude. Live it out. Like let righteousness flow through. Exhibit it. Put it on display. Allow, this is what meekness does. Meekness is a demonstration, an exhibition of righteousness. Write appropriate responses. So what do we need to do? How do we do this? How do we actually live it out? You got to start to exhibit righteousness by removing any obstacles in your life to the free expression of God's grace you got to turn the tables over in your life. If there are things that are cheating you out of it, fully experiencing God's grace, you got to turn those tables over. If you believe you've got to earn God's favor and his forgiveness, then just seeking it, you got to turn that table over. If you think you've got to, every time you do one thing bad for God, you got to do two things good for God, and God's got this cosmic score sheet, you got to turn that table over. Turn those things, those obstacles over in your life that are keeping the free expression of God's grace to throw flow freely in you. Cause you can't express God's grace to others until it's flowing freely in you. But the second way that you show righteousness, exhibit righteousness is this. Exhibit righteousness by basking in the unconditional love that God has demonstrated to you. He has demonstrated his unconditional love to you and bask in that. Take it in like it's sunshine on a cold day like that. There's nothing better When you walk out, it's been winter, and you walk out on that first day and the sun's out. You can kind of maybe wear short sleeves, put the heavy jacket up, and it just you bask in it for a minute. God's love is like that every day. Bask in it. And and allow that to come in and bring healing where it's needed, where you feel broken, where you feel unloved, unworthy. Allow the love of God to come in and heal that, just as he healed those in the temple courts. Allow his healing to flow in your life, because I'm going to tell you, it is very difficult to love someone else appropriately until you experience the full love of God in your life. Do you feel loved? If you always feel like you're in a love deficit, it's going to be hard for you to love someone appropriately. The third way you are a righteous dude and you exhibit righteousness is this. Exhibit righteousness by operating out of the power of God's Spirit that dwells within you. This goes back, stop relying on yourself thinking you've got the ultimate wisdom and knowledge Start discerning that from God. As followers of Christ, we have this amazing gift of the Spirit of God dwelling within us. His words are there, His thoughts are there, and let Him speak to you and through you. You want to hear from God? Listen, His spirits are there. So exhibit righteousness operating out of the power of God's Spirit. You can't demonstrate the power of God if you're not listening to the words of God and the truth of God. Maybe you come across somebody in your in your in life that seems to just spiritually know how to always respond the right way or act the right way or have wisdom to share. It's not because they've got more of it. It's maybe because they're in tune to it more. They're listening more. They're allowing it to flow freely through them, the power to flow through them versus operating on their own power. So that's how we implement meekness is to this righteous dude who exhibits God's grace in our life, turns over the tables in our life where we need to receive the healing of God's love, and then listen to the words of God that he quotes to us so we can experience the power of God. That's what Jesus did in Matthew. Turn the tables on God's grace, open up the pathways for God's grace, healed those, he showed love, he demonstrated it And then he spoke the words of God back to those that were whining against him. And he operated in meekness. He had the very appropriate response for every one of these. Meekness. Very different than maybe what you thought when we started this teaching. But as I hear this and I see Jesus demonstrating, I think about applying and implementing it in my life. You know, there's not a better word that I think I'd like to be described as than meek. And I hope that you will embrace the truth of living and putting on meekness as you walk through life this week.